Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. I was just driving back home after we um, baptized those three people um, that's in our small group um, on Wednesday. And um, I said to my wife, we should not go past these moments too fast in life and get on to the other stuff we're worrying about. This is a big night. People are being baptized. That's why we are here. You see, if we only fill this place up with Christians from other churches, we are failing the Great Commission. I'm not saying no one is welcome. I'm not saying there's a place where no one joins. Please hear my heart. All I'm saying is we are here to make disciples. And so we need to see more baptisms. Amen? So just again, Stefan and Zali, wherever you guys are, we honor you guys. Let's give them another clap. My creation and my worship, part two, last week, part one, don't worry, it stands on its own like it normally does. Um, what I'm doing at the moment is I'm just reflecting on our creation process, the way God made us and the way he chose to make us and the ways he, did, he chose not to make us and why that is important for the way we worship, why we worship and how we worship. Quickly, last week, we just asked the question, why were you created? Simple answer through the Bible. Man, from all the ends of the earth, which I have created for my glory. You are created to shine a light on God. And within that, there's a vast life. There's many ways in which we grow into that. But you were created so that when people look at you, they say, our creator must be amazing. That's your purpose for living. And so we had an example where we said someone might be an extremely influential leader of a company, CEO of a lot of people working for, for him and around him, but yet that person might not reflect the glory of God, whereas the waitress might be walking in her calling. And so we need to divorce ourselves from the thoughts, from worldly thinking that the more successful people are, in our view at least, that means the more they are walking in their purpose. It's not true. But you can, once again, have someone that is only a waiter, yet refusing to reflect the glory of God. And you may have a very, very successful businessman honoring God. It, it, it really does not matter. Can you see that? It's important. Okay. But we, we walk, we're moving on from that, and we're looking at our creation and what it means for our worship. So we're going to read a little bit of Scripture. It's... Genesis 1, 2, and 3, it's just amazing. That, that's where we started. Um, it's incredible. So please read with me. I'll read it nice and slow, and then we'll dissect it and ask ourselves, uh, what does it mean for worship? 
I think um, in Bible school too, I overheard it the other day, the term again, if you want to understand something in the Bible, you go to the place of first mention, what are the, 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 the moment of original conception or mention. So if you want to know what something stands for or what the use of something is, you go back to the very start of that thing to figure out why it is what it is and what it is supposed to be. And so going back to creation takes us back to the time we were created and all the purposes of God for us, it's right there. Okay, Let, let's go into this together. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seeds in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird and heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God said, everything that he had made, and behold, it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. We're going on. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. We're moving on. Then the Lord God formed the man. Okay, so it gives the, the order of creation. It puts both male and female on day six. Okay. Then the book goes back and it goes and it digs into this very creation of man and woman and basically gives us a little bit more insight into it. Okay, So Genesis 2 verse 7, even though it says in Genesis 2, 1, 2, God rested on the seventh day, it's going back to retell the story. It's not like God started to create another man and woman, all right? He's just going back and now the writer is zooming in for us. And so the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the heavens, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, now that's the story of Adam's day, right? He's giving all the animals names. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him from the other animals. Okay? Verse 21, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. The first operation. Beautiful, eh? He opened it up 
took the rib and he closed it up again with his own hands. And the rib that the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. If, if you're a woman and you're married, there was a time when your dad symbolically echoed this, brought you to your husband. Here's the first marriage. The father brings the bride to the husband. It's beautiful imagery. And then the man said, this at last, after seeing all the animals, it was a long day because that all happened on the sixth day. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This is like me. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. Okay, that is our scriptures for the day. Just to give a little bit of an overview. We're going to land on three things tonight. <clears throat> I'm not keeping you long. Some of you are still busy with shutdown. Some of you just finished. Um, let's head into this. I'm reading again, Genesis 1, 26. We're going back to where we started. Then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock of all the earth and every creeping thing. This is just, this is just incredible. We find a story or an account of God creating the world. Everything. He creates everything. And at the end, the crown of his creation, it's man. And so as man comes into being and, and he looks around, everything is made. It is done. He finds the earth with everything on it except himself. And it strikes an incredible blow to the pride of man if we consider that man cannot claim to have helped God with creation. Man found it there. When we were created, the animals were there. And in a world where we claim our designs and we, 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 we make sure people know that's our idea, God just starts everything out and says, listen, when you arrived, it was all there. Remember. Remember who you are. It's incredible. It's very humbling. Okay. Atheists, they don't like this story. All right. But, but on the same side, God prepared everything for you to come or for man to come. And one biblical theologian says the following. He said, he populated the palace with beautiful things. And then he brought his bride in. On the one side, you did not make it. On the other side, he was excited to bring you into the beautiful thing that he created. That's his heart. But Adam found the place created. And that's a very important thing for us to understand. That we go to places in our lives still today 
where we find a place in our life that might for us look like this thing, it's, this hits us by surprise. I did not expect that, but know this. You were brought there by someone who has walked there before you. Always. And what it means for us is we do not have to overplan to a place where we have fear, frustration, and anxiety every little step for every day, for every year in our future. Because ultimately it cannot be done. You will be taken there by God. Can you see the analogy? And when you get there, He will be there. So you can breathe. It's the God we serve. Interesting implication for us, we're going to take this to worship, is it's very small-minded of us, and I know I'm not talking to you guys, but just hear what I'm saying, include you in this. Um, it's import, it is small-minded of us to say, I don't worship in, in this way or this way. It, might be, it must be wrong because I don't know it. I've never done it that way. You're going to go to many places in your life with God that you have never gone before. You're going to be faced by things that you have never faced before. Best you learn to grow in comfortable spaces. And say, hey, I don't know, but let me discover God for who he is. Let me grow. Let me prepare. Because life will do it to you in any ways. All right? Don't limit yourself by trying to live with what you know. Because what you know is this. And what he knows is what he's inviting you to. You get what I'm saying? Check this out. In my father's house... On many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know. We do not know. How can we know the way? And he said, Here's one thing you can know. I'm the way. The only constant about our faith and our journey is the one that's standing next to us right now. A person. The events in our life cannot be controlled by us. But let's open our heart to the person who's been there. Jesus. And so we see this in creation. Where man arrives and he's like, I didn't ask for this animal, it's there. It's there. It's not what you ask for, it's what God put there. That's what it is. Right? Otherwise, we would be God, right? Reflections on worship, number one. When we know who we worship, it is okay not to know the details of the journey and the destination. It's not possible to figure those things out. I'm not saying that you should not be wise in every area of your life, including saving financially if you can. Okay? 
What I am saying is, no human has control about what waits. But we have, in a sense, the capacity to worship or not to worship. So let us worship the one who's been there. Amen? That's why we worship. That's why it's so important. That's why my heart and the heart of these worship leaders is for you to connect really with God. Every opportunity you can. Because as long as you walk with Him, you'll be okay. Even, even as we pass through the door, through death into heaven, we don't know what it's like. We hear it's great, but Jesus says, listen, you don't worry. I prepare the place, and then I will come and take you to myself. You don't decide where you're going. You'll be taken by a good, loving God. Amen? So let us worship. This makes us feel very small. Correct. Correct. Amen? If tonight we, we look at how compared to God we are insignificant, it's a good thing. Okay? It's not saying we're, not, we're worthless. It's just it, it, it gives us a capacity to worship God again for His greatness and know how small we are. Do you sometimes feel like a failure? Listen. It's okay, okay? Get up. Get up. You're not called to know everything. You're not called to understand everything. Even if you're a husband, sometimes we put this pressure on ourselves to provide in this way and be this way. Give, let, with God, give it your best shot. But you are not God. You do not know what tomorrow brings. Worship Him and ask Him for help. He's been there. Amen? gone. Then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Incredible wording here. God is saying, let us make man. But the words he's using there, it's mind-blowing to the people that understands the Hebrew language. Because obviously when he says, let us, he's speaking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, right? But the word make is a very specific word. It means like doing it with one hand. So it's one thing when I say, hey, Peter and Daniel, let's build a puzzle. And what I mean is we all will be building the puzzle with our hands. What God is saying here, let us make man, but he's speaking about one hand. And it's talking about the unity that is between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It is us, but it's one movement. It's hard to think 30 people moving one hand. But that's the unity of the Trinity. And it's got an incredible implication for us. And it simplifies what we do here incredibly well. Number two. We, though many, are gathered unto God for one purpose. All in all, though we are many like the Trinity, we are also here for one purpose, to glorify God. Get that. At the end, I'm saying it again, we are here 
for one purpose, to glorify God. That's loaded, to glorify God, to obey Him in going out and look, looking after the poor and looking after those who are lonely. Yes, it's a big thing, but it's still one thing. Can we see why it is sin that we miss it? If, if I say, it just, yeah, just stand there. If, if we are here called to do one thing, and I say, but I don't want you with me. Now, this looks like a simple act of rejection that we see every day on television, but can you see how strongly this offends God in church? Because not only am I breaking relationship with Peter, I'm saying I'm not willing to move with you and do one thing in this place. You can sit. See how important it is for us to put small stuff aside to do the one thing. Worship God. We need to take a week to think about this. Isn't it powerful? We, though many, are gathered unto God for one singular purpose. Take your own and say, Your aunt is my aunt. And say for me, Your McDonald's is my McDonald's. You were made by a God three in one. Incredible. Can someone try and draw that? <laughs> and show me the picture. It must be, you know, in heaven one day we'll, we'll ask God to show us the DVD of when he made Adam. And it's like, it's like what's this dust here? And then he's like breathing in it and, and we'll just cry, you know, for being overwhelmed, because we'll see ourselves in there, okay? And it's weird to think about it, but we were there, okay? It's what scripture, we were there in Adam's seed, we were there. That's why his sin counts for us, but we're also in the seed of Christ, that's why his righteousness counts for us. But we're made by three persons, by God, three in one. And then what we do is, because Adamson, we turn away from God three in one and we go in our own way, okay? And then, through the calling of the Spirit and the gebede van omas and opas and people loving and praying and crying uh, when they think of you, they invite you to church and then one day, by the grace of God, if your eyes open and you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's this wonderful day that he invites you to, and it's called your baptism, your duop, ne? after you've accepted him, that one. And then Jesus says, go into all the world, make disciples of a nation, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. 
the same ones that created you are the ones that you turn your heart back to. Beautiful. It's, it's a love story that cinemas cannot show. It's, it, it's, it cannot work. Everything pales in comparison. And so number three, being made by God, three in one, and having walked away through sin, we return to God three in one. Everything about you, God, we want. Not one portion that we understand, everything. But sometimes the band keeps on playing and I don't know what's happening because there's no words on the screen and it's like I'm out of my depth, yes. Yes. Because he's facilitating us to know the Spirit. Because remember, we not only reconcile to the Word, we reconcile to the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And so we're stirring in our hearts to get to know the Father which we pray to, the Son in whose name we come, and the Spirit who empowers us and ever teaches us. But, but I don't know worship that way. I know, but where you are going, you don't know in any case. So start growing. Can you see that? So he brings us back. Is this meaning something to someone out here? It should move your heart if you've got a heartbeat. Check this out. This, this is incredible. Genesis 2.21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs. So this one theologian, I don't know if I agree with him. He's got a good point, though. He says that God, God asked for a leg to make Eve, and then he said, no, Lord, please don't take a leg. And then <laughs> apparently God asked, okay, for an arm, and he said, no. Please not on. What can you give me for a rib? And then God made Eve out of a rib. That's a joke. It was the perfect part for the perfect person. God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up in his place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought it to the man. Okay, so, so he, ta- he, opens his, he opens his side and he takes something from him, right? And he closes it up again. Man sleeps. When he wakes up, God comes and he brings the bride to the man. Are you with me? Check this out. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once they came out blood and water while he was sleeping. And when he woke up, the father brought in the church on the day of Pentecost, the bride of Christ. And so just as Adam was asleep, woke up, and the father brought the bride. Still the father is bringing in the bride 
to the son after they pierced him in his side and blood came out. Isn't that incredible? And so, as, as we finish this short but hopefully deep piercing message, let us know that in every effort that we fall short, every worry and every anxiety that we have that maybe we do or act in a way that is not pleasing unto God and, and, and we worry that he will not accept us. And sometimes we wish, we wish God can just, you know, pierce us and then, and then say, okay, now I've punished you. And, but, but it cannot work that way. It has to go on Jesus. And so because he was pierced and crucified, there's hope for us. Once we were on the outside, but now we can come in and be his bride because he paid for every sin. To restore, remember that distorted image from last week? And as we come in, his bride, the church, he's ever growing us back into the image he made Adam into. Who's the perfect Adam? Jesus, the image of God on earth. If I am a sinner, if there's someone out there who doesn't know God, remember, are they in the image of God? Yes, it's a distorted image. But as the Father comes and brings you in, once again, the image becomes clearer and clearer. You become more and more like God. That's the God we serve.